0: I think that piece is really important because money can take the place of us having to do the work that we need to do, where if we feel we deserve something and we spend money to get what we feel we deserve, we're not actually sitting with what is bringing up that sense of deserving for us. Or if you were spending this money, if you were being the sole provider, I'm curious, like, were you having your needs met emotionally and otherwise in that relationship? Or was money and you keeping yourself busy really taking the place of that? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah. And I'm Garrett.
1: We're here to give you a space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo.
0: And in this episode, we're going to dig into one of the biggest misconceptions of all, that money can buy you happiness. That said, money is an incredibly important part of our lives. So let's dig in and explore the definition of money and how it manifests in our day-to-day existence.
1: On that note, grab a seat and get ready to go beyond the dollar.
0: Before we hit record, Sarah, you were talking about something that you've really been struggling this week in particular, and... I can think of no better thing to jump into than just the shit that's been going on in your head over the past week. (laughs) What was it that we were talking about?
1: Oh my goodness, yes. And I told you to hit record before I said I was going to regret talking about this in public. (laughs) But in the name of the podcast, I will do it. So something I have been struggling with is actually an income goal of mine. So I declared at the beginning of 2018 that I wanted to earn at least six figures in my business this year. And so something I've been really struggling with this week in terms of that is not tying my self-worth into my income goals. And so I was just majorly having a, I don't want to say existential crisis, that's really dramatic, but it was really about, oh my gosh, what if I don't earn $100,000? Am I going to be an equal income earner in my household? Am I going to be able to take care of my son? What does this say about me as a freelancer? Blah, blah, blah. And so I literally threw stuff in the air last night that I was working on and I was like, screw this, I'm done. I took the rest of the night off. I don't even remember what I was working on because it was just that insignificant, I guess in the grand scheme of things. So me recognizing that is making me really rethink why on earth am I so hard on myself with earning all this money? Like what is the point of it? And is it gonna truly make me happy if I'm stressing out on the way to $100,000?
0: And it's funny that this came up, you know, we'd planned the idea of this episode weeks in advance, this idea that money doesn't bring you happiness, and we've been talking about it. So what is it about that $100,000 that you need? I know a lot of other people that have that goal, but it also seems kind of arbitrary.
1: Yeah, it it does, doesn't it, right? Like, I remember when I first started considering doing freelance writing as a full-time source of income, that was one of the things that popped in my head, and I thought, you know what, like, this is such an arbitrary number. Now, for me, six figures right now actually represents a lot of life changes I could be making. And so I had to really Mm. dig into my values and really just assess, like, what is it that I want to see in my life in the next five years? And one of the things that my husband and I talked about was getting a house by the beach. So that requires a down payment. Houses by the beach aren't cheap in the area I'm in. They're cheaper than, I, I guess compared to other parts of the country in the U.S., but not cheap, right? And I, what part of the
0: country are you in? Just so I am
1: in us. sunny Florida, even though I think it's like 50 degrees right now, so that's winter for us. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about my son, you know, wanting to make sure that he's well-provided for, you know, daycare isn't cheap, and so we're increasing his daycare t- or preschool, sorry, to three days a week, so that's, you know, a little bit extra money, you know, all of those things. And so for me to feel comfortable making all those life changes, plus save for retirement, plus have that, you know, emergency fund that I think freelancers always need or should have anyways. Um, That's why I came up with that number. And I felt it felt really good. And it still feels good to to say that's what I want to earn this year. But at the same time, I put a lot of pressure on myself always. And so I think that was, you know, yesterday, me throwing stuff in there was a culmination of why am I putting so much pressure on myself? Why am I tying money into this, you know, this this view of like, how is it going to make my life happy or not happy?
0: What don't you have right now with how much money you're making right now? So you mentioned, all right, it would be nice to have the house by the beach. It would be nice to be able to put your son who has jumped on many of our video calls with sometimes pants, oftentimes no shirt, and he's <laughs> adorable. Like what is it about these different things that you want? Kind of the why behind them. That's something that we'll dig into a lot over this season. But just saying with where you are right now, kind of what is it that you're lacking? Is that an appropriate thing to ask?
1: No, that's that's a great question. I think and and it ties into conversations I've had with just people in general about money is that they feel like they don't have something in their lives that they that somehow having more money or using money to make themselves happy, like purchasing, I don't know, a handbag or whatever. Like somehow that's gonna give them something that they're missing. For me, I don't, you know, if I'm thinking about it now, I don't think there's a there's a lack in my life. Um, I, I will say that I I moved around so much in the last couple of years. So I I used to live overseas. For those who know my story, um, I lived overseas for about. 12 years and so I've always mm-hmm. moved from place to place to place but I'm such a homebody like I love having that sense of like my own place and so I'm, I'm feeling like I want that whatever that feeling is and so buying a house to me this is what the solution is to me for now I mean I something else could come up I don't know but that's really something I'm, I'm craving in my life is that that sense of like establishing roots somewhere
0: and I I think it's super important to get down to that why behind each thing. There is that misconception that money can buy you happiness, and I think my knee-jerk reaction is no, money doesn't necessarily buy you happiness. But in this case, it could, right? Being able to give you that the space where you, as your homebody, like feels centered and rooted. Um, so that being one, you know, you mentioned some more time to be able to put your your little boy in preschool. Use freelance as well, or I guess freelance is the entirety of what you do. So is that just to give you more time in order to do that? Is that just the next stage of his life?
1: Yeah. So I, so one of the things I think also bothers me, I'm like, I'm just, baring my soul on this episode today
0: (laughs) let's start off number one with a bang is is um
1: so there's no we don't have any close friends or family nearby so we were quite a distance away from my family and my husband's family and our close friends and so I feel like that is a result, my son's not getting enough social interaction. I, I don't want him to feel like it's just me and my husband all the time. It's not healthy for him. And so part of the reason he is in preschool is so he can have the social interactions. I mean, we have neighbors and he plays with the kids around, but I, I want him to... I don't know. It's again that putting that pressure on myself is is to make sure that I'm caring for this little human being in the best way that I can. And I feel like he's physically provided for. He has a nice bed. He has like way more stuff than I do. Like he has so many toys and I'm like jealous. I wish I could be like two and a half again and play with all this stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, But I I want his I I want him to start on the right foot mental health wise. Right. And that that requires me giving him as many opportunities possible to be exposed to his diverse of a you know, wide range of people as, as I can. And so I think preschool for me was a solution for that. And increasing it to three days a week, yes, it'll help him interact more people outside. And yes, it does give me more time to do stuff. Because, you know, to be honest, it's really difficult trying to type a very intense article about student loans while you have a two-year-old at your feet asking for like the third banana in a row, right?
0: At least he gets his potassium. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, so I I guess let's just turn the tables on you. I feel I'm feeling a little like vulnerable right now. Let's just like start questioning Garrett and his ideas of money and happiness. I think for us, we talk a lot of we we talked a lot about pre-recording about the idea of being intentional with your money. And so I would I'm curious what your interpretation interpretation of that is.
0: Well, like you mentioned, right? you have this on the surface, arbitrary income goal hundred thousand dollars. And then you dove into a little bit more of, okay, well, it would mean a house. It would mean more time for my son at preschool. It would mean some of these things. And then when we start diving into it, I heard you get more and more clear as to like what the underlying needs are that the money could help you satisfy. And that to me is becoming intentional. So it's kind of going from this higher level to these underlying layers, kind of peeling the layers off the onion and getting down to like, what are those really important needs? And then almost building it back up and saying, is it actually six figures that's going to help you do that? Or is it maybe $80,000? Is it $70,000? I know you hustle your ass off. And so as part of this, just you being an overachiever and wanting to just that number being out there as well. i I don't know. Look at me. I'm like trying to turn the tables back on you so I don't have to be uh, open myself up. I mean, for me, being intentional with money is really getting to those underlying levels and saying, what is it that's really driving my want to earn, my want to spend? You know, I was in New York City for six years and everyone goes out to bars, restaurants. People don't spend time at their apartments because they are shoeboxes. So I realized that me and the people I was working with as a financial coach are just spending a ton of money going out and doing just what everybody else does. And to me, that's a lack of intentionality because a lot of people, I saw that they were doing it without really asking, why am I doing this? And for me, it was the same thing. It's just what you do. You go out and you invite friends out to bars, restaurants, shows, right? You can go to the Broadway theater. God, it sounds like the Broadway theater. (laughs) Like these are things that you kind of have this repertoire of just what you do um, in your head. And I think it took me a while to settle and say, what is it about these things that I really enjoy going out to restaurants and bars? If, if I go out, and I'm going to have a $30 dinner, there's part of me the whole time that just says like, why the frick am I doing this? When I stopped and said, I'm not really being intentional here. What is it that I really enjoy? It's like, I like being out with people. It's kind of fun to explore new places as well, but it doesn't have to be like a restaurant or a bar. What are ways that I can get camaraderie, exploration, just like being with the homies and then, how do I work my way? Back? Yeah, I said the homies. And then, how do I kind of work my way back up? So, what are creative ways to fulfill those underlying needs in maybe a less financially stressful way? Or maybe I can spend the same amount of money, but at least it's done intentionally and I know why I'm doing it.
1: I, I love that. Like talking about why and then, you know, going, like you said, going backwards. Whereas in my experience, and uh, I sometimes even do it now. Is I do it the other way, where sometimes there's a social pressure that, to go out, for example.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and yeah, you know, I'm just thinking back to to my days in as an expat. You go, everyone just you're like right. Everyone just goes out. Everyone just goes shopping. That was a hobby, quote unquote. And you just did it. And and I it's funny because I'm I was looking at my closet the other day and I was like I actually kept twenty percent of the things that I purchased in China as far as clothes go. And I'm like, why why did I actually buy all that? Like I don't remember I actually don't remember half the stuff that I bought. And I realized, oh, it was just a way to hang out with friends. It was a way to spend time with them. It was just we went out shopping and laughed at how funny some of the things were. And then we would just end up buying stuff because it was like, oh, five dollars here and there. This is so cheap. And at the end of the day, I, I literally threw that stuff out, right? So I threw away hundreds of dollars not down the drain, somewhere, it's somewhere in China, somewhere, I guess, <laughs> um, you know, worth worth of clothing. And so you're right. If if I'd taken the time to really think about that, why was I why was I shopping? Maybe I could have spent less, although is that really the point to spend less money? That's a question mm. for you now,
0: Garrett. The short answer is no. I don't think the point is to spend less money. I think if you have the means, if I have the means, let me put it on me, like, Right now, I am staying with a friend in San Luis Obispo, which is my hometown, and he's letting me stay here for free, which is just fantastic. And so I have more money available to me to be able to spend on whatever I want. And so I kind of have been faced with this. I can do this intentionally or not. And I'm actually finding myself, as I have more money available, being a little bit looser, but then having to catch myself. It's so funny. I'm a financial coach. Like, shouldn't I be great at this? Shouldn't I be batting a hundred? And it's like, no, I still now have this feeling where I have more than I'm used to. And I have to very intentionally say, what do I want to put this money toward? And there are some things that actually, I'm finding myself that thinking, I do want to spend even more money in order to allow me to do some of these things I've been putting off for a while. I have scoliosis i have some nerve problems in my back and i just haven't been addressing it i've told myself the story that i don't have the money to invest you know five hundred dollars a month in getting the support that i need you know this will be maybe for another episode but i think there's part of this story that i tell myself that if i don't have the money then i keep myself small and i shy away from even making more money as an entrepreneur so if i put myself in this place of scarcity like, oh, I can't afford it, then it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy rather than saying, I can't afford this. This is something that's important to me. And God damn it, I'm going to figure out however I'm going to make that money. There's something that's so much more empowering about that story than saying, oh, I can't. So I'm just going to like, all right, I'll figure it out. That has been, yeah, I've spent um, spending money on help for my back. I'm spending money on marketing for my business. There are these things that I have wanted to do but have told myself I couldn't afford. And so now, is it good to be spending more money? I think it is because I'm intentional about it, at least in those examples I'm telling you. I'm not going to share the ones where I've not intentionally spent money right now. Maybe (laughs) you'll get me to open up in episode three. You're just leaving that up to
1: me basically right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can be the vulnerable one right now. (laughs) Yeah, um, cool. We'll We'll roll reverse in a little bit. But yeah, I think as long as you know why you're doing it, Well, in your example, are you a bad person for wanting to spend more money to buy a house that carries a lot of meaning for you and has this symbol of peace and being able to put down roots and all of that? No, I don't think that's wrong. And I I would say you feel the same.
1: Yeah. So, okay. so going about. Spending a lot of money. This is like a guilty pleasure of mine and my husband's is that we love staying at five star hotels. And so I used to be one of those I'm really. Judging you so hard yeah, right now, hey, go way. ahead. Just I just let
0: you, listeners know knee jerk reactions, right? Judging, <laughs> noticing it, and then allowing her to tell her story. But like, totally feeling i go will on. say
1: this like it's just, i'm just gonna go on a tangent then i'll bring it right back to money is one of my favorite hotels we were i think we were on like a 10 plus hour flight my husband and i and we we're like through this we're just gonna stay at the airport hotel we can't even be bothered taking the train back to our apartment and so anyways we just got a hotel room There were pillows for your feet i mean they were better pillows than i've ever had for my head like it was it, it just you just judging. yeah you just like you just put your feet up And we were watching, I think it was the Super Bowl in China. We were in China. We were watching the Super Bowl with pillows for our feet and our heads, of course. And we were just, I'm pretty sure I was drinking water. And I was like, this is like the best moment of my life. I don't remember how much. I think we spent like 200 bucks for this five-star hotel, which is, I think, cheap compared to probably the U.S. But I was like, damn, I want pillows for my feet now. Like, I'm spoiled. (laughs) But... But listen, you know, we, we had the money. It wasn't like a total stretch on our budget. And I do not regret that purchase, right? So if you're talking about if money makes us happy, that, I mean, that incident was four or five years ago. And I still remember the feeling of me having my feet on these pillows. And if I can buy those, if I can, like, if somebody out there, if you can find a link on Amazon and send it to me, I will seriously buy those freaking pillows. Like, they're just that good.
0: You said something in there that I think is super important. You said it was part of the budget and that is super important as well. I think it's not just being intentional and saying this is important to me. So I automatically can get it for myself, but how does this fit into the bigger picture? If you were aware that you had $200 to spend on that hotel and you could at the same time be saving for these other things that are important to you, then that's, that's totally fine, right? Because it's part of the plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done it if we had to put on a credit card and we we didn't have a way to pay for that credit card balance at the end of the month. For example, I I would not have felt comfortable with that. So I think if you're talking about feeling like so, there's that idea of like feeling like you deserve something to spend money on something you deserve that will make you happy. You know, going back to the idea of happiness, and then. Not you, but I, if I were to do that, I would have to seriously evaluate. Like, why am I thinking that? Like, why do I feel like I deserve this? Why do I feel like it's okay to put it on a credit card and and pay it off later? Yeah, things like that. I mean, I've dealt with credit card debt before, and it wasn't fun. Um, you know, it was also at a time when I was I had no job. I had to basically move back to my parents' home. I had. No, yeah, I had no job. I had no, literally, no money in the bank, and I was in credit card debt. And so I was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if I want these pair of like ninety dollars shoes. I freaking can't afford it because I'm gonna have to stick it on a credit card. And so for me, it was like, okay, I gotta revalue. Like, what, what was I spending the money on, and why did I think it was gonna make me a better version of myself or make me happy? And and it wasn't on frivolous things too, to be honest. It was on like groceries and rent, but it was ultimately to chase a version of a romantic relationship that i thought was going to make me happy and that was what got me into debt and when i realized that i i had to do a lot of like personal development work to to not ever be in that position again
0: do you want to talk about that story a little sure. bit more sure <laughs>
1: Let's I, just keep going there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? Like, let's just rename the title of the show to be "Sarah gets super, super vulnerable, and Garrett just questions her for like an hour."
0: <laughs> it's a really long title. It won't do well in search Probably results. Not. You know, the SEO will be crap. Yeah,
1: I know. Well, I'll think about. We'll, it. we'll have to figure out a way to, to rephrase it. Right. So, long story short, because it's kind of a long story, I actually moved to Australia for a job. My ex-boyfriend moved with me, and so I felt this burden of responsibility to take care of him because he had quit his job to, to move halfway across the world for me. And so I had paid for the rent, paid for groceries, things like that. And then I had an opportunity to move across the country for a promotion, paid for that. We pay, I paid for the trips across Australia. We went to New Zealand for three weeks. I paid for most of that. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, he's the one. I'm going to move back and buy a house and do all the adulting stuff, like get a job. And then I'll wait for him to propose to me. And so I moved back. And then two weeks later, he broke up with me over MSN Messenger, to those of you who uh, who know what that is. And I was like, oh, well, this is not so awesome. And then I decided to finally check my credit card statement. And I was in $9,000 worth of credit card debt. Um, again, no job prospects because... There are only certain times a year when you can apply for full time teaching jobs, and so I came back at the wrong time. And yeah, I had to basically go downstairs and tell my mom, like, "Hey, can I just stay with you for a while until I figure out what the heck I'm gonna do?" <laughs> that was that was kind of my rock bottom. Yeah.
0: Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because that's a story I didn't know. Yeah. Either, well, so this and,
1: is. Yeah, I mean, so when you think about it, I was spending money thinking that it was gonna make me happy. And then all of it, li- not literally, cause there's no like bombs in my face, but it blew up in my face, right? One of the things I had to learn was like, why, like how did spending that money create such a terrible situation for myself? I'm clearly not happy. Like, I mean, I remember bawling my eyes out in, in my bedroom that I had in, since I was in you know, my parents' bedroom, not my parents' bedroom, in my old bedroom, in my parents' house. And I was like, how did I get myself in this situation? And it turned out that I was just using money as a tool, you know, like I said earlier, as a tool to pursue this idea of a romantic relationship. And so I had to then think, like, why do I feel the need to have this ideal relationship? Like, how low must I feel about myself? Or what were the, like, did I have a lack of boundaries? Like, why did I let somebody take advantage of me like that? Like, what was my part in this whole thing? And how do I use money in that in, to, to play a part in this whole, you know, incident. And so it required a lot of work. I had to learn how to say no. Of course, I had to get a job. So I literally just went down the street and got a job back at the Gap in the Russia that I worked at when I was in college and saved and, and did all of that, right? But it was, it was really interesting was I had the money to pay off the entire balance and I couldn't do it. It was so... It was so weird. I can't even describe the feeling, but it was so weird. I couldn't do it. I couldn't transfer the the bank account balance into my credit card account balance. And it was I realized that I was so bitter about the situation that there was this like paying it off meant I had to relive some of it. And so I had to think about were there some happy moments? in the time that I was in Australia, like were there things in, you know, that I swiped my credit card for that was like made me really genuinely happy. And I kept thinking back to some of the trips that I went on. I rented a car with money, you know, the road trip across New Zealand. And so every time I started thinking about that, I would then slowly chip away at the debt. It made it easier. And then I ended up paying it off, I think within like a month or two after that.
0: This to me is what the podcast is all about. Really, it's looking at the intersection of money and life. But in that, like you can't talk about money without talking about all. And we said it in the beginning, right? The anxiety, stress, fear, guilt, happiness, excitement that comes along with it. And when you were telling kind of towards the end of that story, you had said that you had to do a lot of personal work after this. And I think that piece is really important because money can take the place of, us having to do the work that we need to do, where if we feel we deserve something and that's not as much in your case, but if we feel we deserve something and we spend money to get what we feel we deserve, we're not actually sitting with what is bringing up that sense of deserving for us. Or if you were spending this money, if you were being the sole provider, I'm curious, like were you having your needs met emotionally and otherwise in that relationship or was money and you keeping yourself busy really taking the place of that?
1: Ding ding ding! You just got it. <laughs> you just said it. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's. I was so. Is this something I'm still working on? Like, you know, just just like for everyone out there. Just because this was 12 years ago doesn't mean I'm still not working through some of the issues. Like, I have significantly more money in the bank. I'm not gonna say how much because I'm pretty sure my husband will kill me if I reveal that. Uh, but. One of the things I really realized was just I had such low self-esteem. I did not – I guess my opinions of myself were very low at the time. And so I felt like, oh, gosh, I feel like I'm going to quote a Jerry Maguire movie. You know, like how it's like, you complete me, you know, that, that whole thing with Renee Zellweger and, and Tom Cruise. I, yeah. I, that's what I felt like you know, it's it's so strange to admit this now, but that's really what it was. Like, I felt like if I had this person who said they loved me and would do whatever it takes to be with me, literally moving across the world, be with me, that somehow I'll be validated as a worthy person to be around. And so a lot of the decisions I made, even in my teens, had to do with that whole concept of like, if I buy this, or if I spend money on this or on experiences or on people, that I will somehow be more worthy as a person. And so a lot of the work that I had to do had to be around, like, what if I didn't have a million dollars in the bank? What if I literally did not have any money to spend? If I were a homeless person on the street with just clothes and a bag full of, I was gonna say jelly beans, I don't know why that popped in my head. Um, Okay, okay, literally, okay, just imagine me as a homeless person with a bag of jelly beans on the street. Would I still be worthy as a person? Like, am I still going to be special? That's a really tough question to ask, right? That's something that I think I'm probably going to keep trying to answer for the rest of my life. But as I got better at accepting who I was and some of the quirks, you know, that I have, it was funny. I just saw the correlation between my bank account and my self-worth and and growing. And so I think that's really what frustrates me with the whole six-figure income goal that I have is that, like, these Mm -hmm. feelings are coming up again. And I'm like, Sarah, on a logical level, you know your income is not tied to who you are as a person. But I still can't help feeling that. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, I give it a nine out of ten. All right,
1: thank you, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're being you're being graded on this. Um, I mean, just thanks for being so open about this as well. I'm sitting here on the other end, interviewing-ish, right? Like, and it, and you know, we say at the beginning, hey, you know, take a seat at the table. You know, this is me learning things about you and hearing your thought process and what you felt, how money was taking the place of. Kind of the love that you had hoped would be in this person who would come and kind of be this knight in shining armor isn't the right way to think about it. But no, does it, it kind of make you. No, whole? it is.
1: That's what it is. You know, the whole idea of Prince Charming. I guess you can say, except this Prince Charming wasn't rich at all. Um <laughs> So I, I don't. I hey, don't
0: know. it's Prince Charming, not like, Prince Rich. Okay? Yeah, there you go. So Prince, guess, yeah. So this
1: this yeah. I, this version of my Prince Charming, but it's funny. I remember. Getting out of debt, finally getting out of debt, and um, this was—I actually ended up in South Korea about a, a few months after this incident. So I just remember I was making a lot of a lot of money. What I thought at the time, you know, I barely had to pay for any expenses. Like literally, the the school I worked for paid for the rent. I had flights to and from Canada, which is where I'm originally from. So again, I barely had any expenses and 99% was disposable income. And so I remember like, oh man, I have all this money. I must be like automatically much happier. And so not true, right? I'm like semi-obsessed with the rich kids of Instagram. I don't know if you are or have ever seen... Okay, it, it's just the amount of wealth that they have. Like they have um, this one lady, I think, very outrageously asked for like a $300,000 a month allowance from her ex-husband one time. And she, you know, shows off her closet all the time. And, and you know, you see these people like it, really slick photos and they're happy and, you know, all that. And so sometimes... I get very judgy, I'll, I'll admit it, but then, you know, and I and I also question like, are these people actually happy? Like just because you've like this amount of wealth, like I can't even imagine that amount of wealth in my bank account. Like, are they truly happy? Like having, I don't know, a thousand pairs of shoes. Is that something that's gonna make me feel that sense of like desire to have roots? Is that gonna help me? I don't know. Like is having a walk-in closet
0: help me? <laughs> the knee-jerk reaction is like, no, obviously not, for me. Duh, having all that shit isn't going to make you happy, but that is ultimately me judging and me putting in my values system on other people. It's hard to actually know. Maybe shoes do make somebody really happy. Okay, that's not my values system, but it is somebody else's. I think there's so much in that, I would say, in a show like that or on Instagram, like you got to curate everything, right? So it's easy to make it look like you're happy. They probably don't post pictures of their cocaine habits. (laughs) I would imagine, you know, I think, um, we both read the soul of money by Lynn twist. And she says, it's actually really difficult for people who have a lot of money because, We as a society feel that because they have money, they should be okay. Like, oh, they have a lot of money. What is their problem? What are they complaining about? And if you think about it, they might not necessarily have an outlet to talk about the things that they're going through because people are going to dismiss them. As saying those aren't real problems. They feel isolated. They are, and I, I imagine some of these people don't do a lot to help themselves. That's my judgment in there. That they, you know, I think even in the book, she's like, you know, behind these massive walls of mansions, you have physical abuse, you have emotional abuse, you have money used as a weapon, you have problems, but they just look different. And then people who don't make a lot of money can commiserate with each other, but do they have the space? to, to talk about it and to communicate about it. So yeah, I don't think money automatically makes you happy. And I think having money can even bring not harder set of problems, but just a very different set of problems.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to talk about, but we're going to be spending like five hours here and i i don't think that our listeners would necessarily want to spend five hours listening to that <laughs> so maybe we'll, not in one
0: episode maybe, maybe not one episode we'll we'll, um,
1: we'll definitely cover this in future episodes about that but yeah no you're right um so my part of my previous career was actually a a teacher so when i was overseas i taught in some pretty i would say expensive i guess yeah international schools and these kids their parents have an incredible amount of wealth like I I remember being driven around a Ferrari like they were like oh we'll just pick you up from school one day and invite you to my kid's birthday party and it was literally like I was being driven around a Ferrari like that that was insane and I was like okay cool and when I arrived at their house they had like six of them right anyways it was just crazy and but no getting to know the parents and getting to know the kids there were just some issues that they had I'm not going to dive into it it's not not my place to say it but some of the people some of the families weren't happy at all as a result of different issues and decisions and situations and it was really interesting I had a mother um, we had a very very frank conversation one time about children and marriage and all of that and she just turned to me and said like you are lucky I would do anything to be in your shoes right now like if I could give you all of my money and I and I can just be in your shoes I would do it in a heartbeat and I it was just an interesting conversation. I just got really taken aback because this here was this woman with like millions of dollars at her disposal, saying that she wanted to trade lives with me, and I think at the time I was making like fifty, forty to fifty thousand dollars, right? And I thought, wow, huh? Like that that left me a lot to think about. I yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could go back and see where she is now, and I hope that she's in a happier place. But if you think about it, you know, in theory, she should be happy, right? But she wasn't. She was. A, unfortunately, a miserable woman.
0: In theory, based on what our society thinks. Yes. I would say. We're going to have a guest on the next episode. And she's a friend of mine who I met during a volunteer program. And her story is kind of similar to that. I, I'll let her tell it. But she comes from a family that has a lot of money. You know, she is one of those people, I would say, and, and has a lot of money and then has a whole different set of problems and challenges. And we've talked about them a lot, her and I, um, and I'll just leave it at that. So she has a chance to tell her story and what has come up for her and how, from her perspective, it's been both a blessing and a real challenge to be able to have the money to, to have most of what you want or more than most other people would have. So having that perspective on next episode, I think is going to be really, really cool and a great segue to take this a little bit further.
1: Yeah, and I guess on that note, I think it's it's a really good point, good place, I guess, to end the the episode. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add about the idea of money and happiness, Garrett? Before we uh, we're done,
0: well, we talked about intentionality and how getting down below the layers and, and realizing what is it or the why behind why you want to be spending that money, being really intentional with it can help give the way that you spend your money. It can give it more meaning. You know, it's not about necessarily spending less, but as long as you're putting your money towards the things that really matter, then that can help bring you happiness. Um, And, you know, when you mentioned that woman, uh, when you were working abroad and her saying she wanted to have your life, I think no matter what position we are in, whether we are making $30,000 or $300,000, gratitude is a very important piece of this. And just saying, you can still want to have that six figure income and you can understand why you want it. You can say, I am intentional. I want that house. I want to be able to have my child to have these opportunities for exposure to other cultures, to friends and me to be able to have this space to work. But also today I am grateful for what I have. I'm grateful. And I know that you have some practices that, that you do in this space.
1: Yeah, I do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so that's something for everyone who's listening is just maybe taking a couple minutes, just you and I, to, to talk about some things that we've done that we have found helpful in that space. Well, for me, I've kept a gratitude journal on and off for a while. So sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. You just have to have grace with yourself and that you're going for you're not going for perfection. I just want to throw that out there first. It's like these things that we talked about, I've fallen off the wagon a hundred times with everything that I've tried. So <laughs> yes. we are not perfect at this.
1: Yeah. So one thing, so I do do gratitude journal. I have um, So sort of a, a planner for my kind of business stuff, but I make sure to write down three things. And so how I do it is one opportunity I'm excited about that's the first one. Number two is something tangible that I can see around my apartment right now. And then number three is just an opportunity that has been, that has passed. I'll say the three right now that I wrote this morning. So today I was very excited to record this with you. That was number one. Number two, I was like so freaking excited to drink hot lemon water because I have fresh lemon in the refrigerator. So I was like, yes. (laughs) And Yesterday, uh, my son learned some new words. We were practicing them. And so that was something I was extremely grateful for, to have that opportunity just to sit down with him for about 10 minutes and do that. And so whenever I'm stressed, I just kind of flip back and look at the things. And I I just kind of sometimes I close my eyes like I'm doing right now. Not that anybody can see except for Garrett. And I just imagine those opportunities or those tangible things. And I start feeling really good. And then I go Mm. back to the rest of my day.
0: I wish I could offer some really good examples. Right now I'm in that period where I'm not intentionally (laughs) uh, practicing anything of gratitude. Uh, I would like to, but no, I think that's a story for another day of this feeling of we should, Mm. you know, oh, this person who I wish I was already, or I think I should be. Yeah. There are moments when I do the same, like this morning, just got up on the guy's roof and had some tea and just looked over at the mountains and was like, I don't have it too bad. One of the things I always go back to is just, I have legs. And That's I think about one. that and I'm like, holy shit, like some people don't have legs. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it, I don't mean that flippantly at all. It's just a reminder of sometimes I get caught up in comparing myself to other people who are above my level. And, you know, you start to run the more money you make or the more important you feel, you start comparing yourself to other people and you forget just how fortunate you are compared to the rest of the world. So it's not a deliberate practice by any means, but the just taking a couple seconds to breathe every once in a while when I remember and reminding myself that I have legs are the two that I'm kind of sticking with <laughs> right now
1: yeah and then we're gonna we're gonna end this inaugural episode of beyond the dollar mm-hmm. yeah I feel like we should just do like celebratory champagne popping in the background or something but if not it's <laughs> there you go <laughs> Garrett's it's like the master more. of sound effects and and singing which <laughs> um, if you don't like that then you probably will not like this podcast <laughs> <Tell> me, <yeah. laughs> There you go. Um, So yeah, thank you. We're so grateful that you have decided to join us for this episode. If there's anything you want us to cover, if there's any questions you have, you really enjoyed me burying my soul. I will be more than happy to do it again. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or you can, you know, email us. At hello at beyond the dollar dot co And as always, if there are show notes, we'll probably link to The Soul of Money, which is because it's just an awesome book. We'll do, link that in the show notes over at beyondthedollar.co. Um, and so, yeah, thank you guys. We'll uh, see you next time.